Before we start today, I wanted to tell you about a brand new report intended for modern day marketers who talk in this report all about how they're focusing on less but better content. I love it. Quality over quantity. Love this report. Love that idea. We need more of that in the marketing world. This report comes from our sponsor, The Juice, and specifically led by their VP of Marketing, Brett McGrath. I've created a short link where you can find the guide, No Form Fill Required. How refreshing. You can literally just click the link, get the blog post, the podcast episode where Brett talks about it, and also a direct link to the PDF. You don't have to fill out any forms. Amazing. The link is in your show notes, but it's also bit.ly slash quality juice bit.ly slash quality juice. Maybe we can turn down the volume and turn up the quality. Visit that link in your show notes or type in bit.ly slash quality juice. And thanks to the juice for sponsoring. Hey, it's Jay, and this is another one-shot. These are the short-form monologue episodes that I run every other week or so on Unthinkable to complement the longer narratives that we create. It's all about the same idea, resonance. What does it take to create work that resonates? This one is titled, My Weekly Constraint. So I write a weekly newsletter called Playing Favorites, again, very tied to the themes of this show, Resonance. And it's from my perspective, just like these episodes. In fact, these episodes are often turned into newsletters. So the scripts that I'm writing for one-shots become newsletters. But short of those editions, I do something pretty crazy for that newsletter every single week. It's something I would not recommend that you do, at least not without knowing a whole heck of a lot more about you. I write every newsletter last minute. Yep. You might think I have an idea planned out in advance. I don't. You might think it's a good idea to draft on Monday and edit on Wednesday. I won't. You might recommend a lot of changes to the way I approach that project, and you might be right. Until you understand my maker monster, my internal barrier holding back my best work. I call it imposterfectionism. It's one part imposter syndrome, one part perfectionism. I need to feel my latest project is perfect or else I'll be exposed as a fraud. I need to feel perfect or imposter syndrome kicks in. The interplay between perfectionism and imposter syndrome, it's a nightmare. It's my maker monster. Let's take a moment to pick through this special blend of crap and crappier, shall we? And then I'll explain why I write my newsletter so last minute. First, let's talk about imposter perfectionism and our work. I've mentioned before on the show, but I used to think that I did not have any imposter syndrome at all. I mean, the ego in that idea, right? It turns out my imposter syndrome rears its ugly head at a very specific time. Whenever I'm confronted with the idea of getting through a gatekeeper, like an editor or a big network or an ambitious client to pitch. And so what I do is press. I need things to be absolutely perfect to do that. I need scripts for my podcasts. I need to rehearse my speeches a million times. I need to work and rework and re-rework my writing. And that all sounds well and good, doesn't it? I'm better in many ways because I've committed to that level of mastery and I get it. But is there a breaking point? I think so. I think sometimes what started as necessary becomes a safety net. Because I'm worried of being exposed as a fraud by those quote unquote more discerning yet probably non-existent judgers of taste 
and culture and creativity, because I'm so concerned about them, I need to be absolutely perfect when I approach them. What was once useful as I began my career has stopped feeling quite so necessary, that insistence on perfecting the craft. At very least, it needs to be controlled and used more strategically at this point in my career, rather than as a knee-jerk reaction to wanting to be taken seriously so badly that I install these craft-driven safety nets. In our work, we often seek to add new habits to help us grow. But what about removing old habits that started as good, but no longer serve us? I think those have to be taken away. I think that has to be considered. Sure, when you're new to something, walk out onto the wire with a balance beam. Install a safety net below. Hell, anchor yourself down to the floor and up to the ceiling with cables, wrap your body in industrial-grade bubble wrap, and cram a helmet onto your head that could withstand a thousand falls. Surround yourself in your work with precautions and practices and backup plans and the mental equivalent of kiddie wheels. Because you're just starting out. Because your challenges are momentum and technique and confidence and inertia. But eventually, we grow out of those safety precautions. Those same habits start to hold us back. We need to either evolve them or remove them entirely. Because when we want to run faster across the wire, what then? All that apparatus holds us back. What if we want to do some tumbles and backflips and awesome air kicks? All the things that we installed to feel safe or even to ensure something goes just right, those things become the very same things that prevent us from challenging ourselves any further. Done long enough, just right turns into just all right. We could do more. We could do better. We could walk faster and further out onto the wire. But here comes my imposter syndrome. Well, nobody real would ever take me seriously. Maybe I need to stay at home here in the business world or more specifically marketing or more specifically content marketing or even more specifically B2B content marketing. And nobody would listen to me just rant and riff. I can't improvise. I need a script to this episode, even though I'm in a bubble within a bubble within my bubble. I have to be perfect. If not, others will know I'm a fraud. Imposter perfectionism at its worst. It's insidious because it all feels like that word I say so often and so lovingly, the craft. Sure, in my head, I think my skills and vision are such that my work and really my name, is that too egotistical? My name could appear in brighter lights or fancier places. I believe that. But more serious judges, if you want to call them that, more serious judges of this work would see right through me if I approach them. I'm not actually a great creator. I'm just someone who has learned to distantly mimic great storytellers who's hiding inside a niche desperately starved for them. Let's get back to why I write my newsletter last minute. The last edition I typed last week, it was 2 p.m. Eastern on the nose on a Thursday, and I shipped out that edition the next morning, that Friday morning. I had a meeting coming up after a couple of hours of writing, a dog to walk, and about three gallons of coffee that I just had to inject into my veins to compensate for the fact that my toddler woke me up at 5 a.m. each of the past three mornings, or really to compensate for the fact that my wife and I are binge-watching too much prestige TV too late into the evening to go to bed early. We're trying to reclaim some kind of control of our baby-filled lives by delaying our bedtime, even though that would be good for us to go to bed. But whatever the case, I knew as I wrote that, I was up against the clock. 
That's why I do this every single week. Being up against the clock is the best way I've found to walk out onto the wire without the safety gear. I don't have time for it all each week. I don't have the ability to concern myself with whether or not this entry is what I should be doing, is what I could be doing, is perfect or not. I can only do what I feel like doing. It's what I can do. It's all I can do given the deadline looming. So I wonder, is this edition too personal? Am I writing about something too navel-gazy, too selfish? Is there a better way to summarize the marriage of imposter syndrome and perfectionism? A better portmanteau than imposter perfectionism? I don't know. I can't care. I can't even think about it. I either hold back all the way and play this as safe as possible and likely create a dud newsletter or script, or I just have to go for it. I have to run and tumble and backflip and air kick my way down the wire, knowing full well I could fall. But what if I don't? Because maybe I won't. This is the only way I've found myself able to beat imposter perfectionism, at least with my newsletter and my one-shot scripts. Maybe writing something last minute is not how you beat your creeping internal barriers. Maybe the maker monsters that you face require something else. I can't say for sure. What I can say with complete and total certainty is not a single person you or I admire doing things we wish we could do has escaped all their maker monsters. Instead, they learn to wrestle with them until that wrestle looks more like a dance or even an arm-in-arm skip down the street. But if you're looking for a constraint to install, if you're looking for a technique to try, try mine. Put yourself on a deadline And tell yourself, I have to ship no matter what. I can't think about whether this is perfect or great or this idea is correct or incorrect to ship and share publicly. I have to get this done. I'm on the clock. For me, that's how I beat my maker monster. For me and my work, that's how I confront... Pause for effect. Hold it. A little longer. Because if the dramatic pause isn't perfect, then this moment won't be perfect. And if if this moment isn't perfect, then my work won't be perfect. And if my work isn't perfect, then you'll think I'm a fraud. Okay, I, I think that's enough pause now. My maker monster. Thank you so much for listening. I've been thinking a lot about this concept of maker monsters because we've done a couple of episodes so far, uh, two, and we're definitely doing more. So depending on when this episode launches, you might have heard the third or fourth, but we've been doing these stories where we collect the voices of several very successful creative people and have them address their maker monsters. And it's cathartic. It's like the ultimate I feel seen episode. So these two themes keep coming out. This idea that we all suffer from maker monsters and try to wrestle with them. Some people have moments of dancing with them trying to learn from those people Um, and this other theme of I feel seen because if you don't take away any technique or tactic it's enough to just say oh my goodness I feel so seen by listening to these episodes so if you're new here or you missed it or you just need to go back to it check out the last episodes titled Maker Monsters I think you'll feel very seen that's it for this episode I'm back next time with another full-blown production another full narrative exploring why work resonates and how ours can too Until then, keep making what matters. See ya.
This episode is sponsored by The Juice, our presenting sponsor throughout the quarter. The Juice curates the best sales and marketing content from around the internet. I'm talking the best names, the best brands, the best thinkers in a beautifully designed hub for great content for your job. It's almost like the Spotify for B2B content. And it also helps you skip endless forms around the internet and just sign up once at The Juice and explore content playlists and content recommendations focused on your work. You can find some of the best resources from companies like HubSpot, Gong, Drift, and more talking about the latest trends, the biggest ideas, and tactics that are proven to work, as well as original research, videos, and podcasts. It's all there for you, and you don't have to sort through weird gamified search results or basic ideas spinning across social media. To start accessing the best B2B content on the web, sign up for free at thejuicehq.com.